Hi, it's Rob West. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to let you know that last year, more than 45,000 people searched for a local certified kingdom advisor or CKA in their area. These financial, legal, and accounting professionals have completed a certification program to give biblically wise financial advice as a part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to moneywise.org and clicking the Find a CKA button on the homepage. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Acts 4.32. I am Rob West. That passage clearly shows the radical generosity of the first century church. How does that compare with church giving today? We'll explore that first, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Weekend, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, so the church advancement team at Generis and the Barna Group did a survey to find out the status of giving today. It's called Revisiting the Tithe and Offering, and it revealed a lot about how Christians are supporting the local church. Giving, of course, doesn't involve just money. As the saying goes, Christians should be generous with their time, talent, and treasure. But not surprisingly, the vast majority of pastors, 94%, reported that they view member giving primarily through the lens of tithes and offerings, far exceeding other forms of generosity. I'll inject a personal note here. I look forward to the day when that's not the case, when tithes and offerings are such that finances don't have to weigh so heavily on the minds of pastors. They have enough on their plate with feeding the flock that they shouldn't have to worry about money. Okay, obviously tithes and offerings are vital to the local church, so it's also not surprising that 98% of pastors said their church is primarily funded through individual donations. That much, I think, is good. The local church should be funded through member giving rather than investment earnings or an endowment of some type. A church should have an emergency fund, something like a year's worth of operating expenses. But assets beyond that should be used for ministry or missions, in my opinion. Now, there's some good news about Christian generosity as compared to Americans as a whole. Studies show that 60% of U.S. adults give to a charitable organization during the course of a year. Nominal Christians, those who don't attend church at least monthly or say their faith is important to them, give at about the same rate as the general population. But a full 90% of practicing Christians who do attend church at least monthly and say their faith is important to them give to charity on an annual basis, and that charity includes giving to their local church. What does all this mean? Well, it actually makes perfect sense. In general, Christians are more generous than the population as a whole, as they should be. And believers who feel strongly about their faith and attending church regularly are more generous than those who don't, exactly what you'd expect. And the average amounts of giving track perfectly with those three groups. U.S. adults give an average of $916 a year to charities. Nominal Christians give slightly more, 1165 a year. And practicing Christians give 3000 a year, or more than triple that of the average American adult, two-thirds of which goes to their local church. 
Now, we occasionally get calls from listeners who want to know if it's okay to give their tithes and offerings to something other than their local church. We believe your tithes should go to your local church. It's wonderful to give sacrificially to other ministries, but your first fruits should go where you're fed. So it's encouraging to see that the survey revealed most Christians agree. A full 75% think it's more generous to give to their local congregation. That clearly shows a commitment to the local church with regard to giving. The next finding isn't quite so encouraging. While 55% of believers agree that all church members should financially support their local church, 51% also said that there may also be circumstances when it's okay not to. An example of that would be volunteering at the local church. Surprisingly, about 60% of Christians in general, meaning nominal and practicing combined, said that members who are committed to volunteering have less of a financial obligation to support the church. And even more surprising, that percentage held true for practicing Christians. 60% of those who attend regularly and hold strongly to their faith also believe that volunteering can be a substitute for financial giving. In my opinion, that's not right. Don't get me wrong, volunteering is important to the church, and every member should look for ways to be of service. But if every member gives time and not a tithe, you soon wouldn't have a church. Volunteering should only be viewed as a substitute for financial giving when you're unable to be a percentage giver to your church. And even then, you should always try to give something as a form of worship. Well, there you have it. Some good news about church giving today and some not so good. It's all something to pray about as the collection plate comes around this Sunday. All right, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. Sometimes you just need a little guidance to help point you in the right direction. In 300 feet, turn right. If you're feeling lost when it comes to your finances, we're here to help. You can connect with a trained MoneyWise coach absolutely free. A MoneyWise coach can help you build a personal budget, develop a plan to knock out your debt, and more. Visit MoneyWise.org connect. That's MoneyWise.org connect. You probably have a strategy for your finances, your career, even your retirement. But do you have a strategy for your giving? At the National Christian Foundation, we can help you create a giving strategy to inspire your family, maximize your resources, and leave a lasting legacy of faith. To learn how, visit moneywise.org ncf. Welcome back to Money Wise Weekend. I'm Rob West, your host, taking your calls and questions on anything financial. The number to call today, 800-525-7000. We've got some lines open. That's 800-525-7000. In addition to your phone calls coming up today, a couple of emails from our listeners, from you. Thanks for writing in. want to say thank you, especially today, to Ray, who's writing in about giving real estate to his church. Uh, What does that look like? How do you do that? Does it make sense? Well, I'll weigh in on that. And then Mark, well, the AC went out on the house. It's going to cost $10,000, but the company's offering a no interest loan for 48 months. Mark's wondering, should we do it? Of course, your phone calls today as well. 800-525-7000. Let's begin in Denver, Colorado. Marie, thank you for calling. You go right ahead. 
Hi, this is. Um, Hi. Oh well, you already introduced me. How are you, Rob? Thank you so much <laughs> for taking great. my call. Yes, ma'am. Okay, my question is: I'm a 70-year-old retiree. I own property. I already have a HELOC uh, loan against my personal property for um, that covers my rentals for expenses and repairing roofing, plumbing, etc. I'm wondering if um, I need some additional work to those properties. If I remove money or take money out of my IRA account, if that is feasible to do, or should I not touch it because in two years I'm going to be required from the IRA to take a um, a deduction from them? Yes. Yeah, at 72, you'll be required to take that required minimum distribution. Um, I'm not a huge fan, though, of HELOCs, primarily, Marie, because it likely has a variable interest rate on it. And with rates heading higher, they already have had uh, moved higher considerably, mortgage interest rates, and they're going higher as the Fed funds rate's going to continue, at least based on what the Fed's telling us, to be increased pretty substantially over the balance of this year. Uh, so that variable rate is going to continue to move higher which means that money is going to become more and more expensive all the time. Uh, I'd love for you to be able to build up a nest egg, if you will, uh, that you could use specifically for repairs uh, on that uh, rental property without encumbering further your primary residence. Let's treat that like a business and keep it separate. Now, I realize if you don't already have those reserves in place, earmarked for repairs and renovations on that rental property, uh, you've got to you know keep that property maintained. Uh, so I guess the first question would be, I like the idea of using the RMD money in a couple of years because you're correct. You're going to have to pull that out anyway. You're going to have to pay taxes on it. And if you're not counting on it for your income, uh, you know, you might as well use it for repairs. The only other option would be uh, making it a charitable contribution to satisfy the RMD. And you could even use that to offset giving you had planned to do out of cash. But let's stay focused on the repairs for a minute. Would you be able to put those off for a couple of years and wait till the RMD kicked in? Um, yeah, I probably could. Okay. I mean, yeah, that would be... Not, what uh, I need to do now is not, a, an, it's not an emergency. I've taken care of the majority of the emergencies that were there. Okay, great. And do you have a personal emergency fund of somewhere between three and six months expenses? Uh, yes. Okay. And do you have anything set aside for reserves specifically earmarked for the rental property or does all that come out of your personal savings? No, uh, all of it would come out of my personal savings. The only thing okay. that I had was that uh, um, line of credit or HELOC yes. set aside for those rental properties because I have three of them. Got it. And how much are you throwing off in margin excess beyond your bills every month? Um, anywhere, sometimes between a um, a thousand and five hundred that I have after I've taken care of bills and groceries and gas and those kind of things. 
Yeah. Okay. So I I try to be systematic in keeping your expenses as low as possible, and I realize that's more difficult now than ever. Uh, but keeping your expenses reined in so that you can count on that five hundred to a thousand dollars a month, and let's see if you can't begin to build up that reserve account specifically for uh, the rental properties. I mean, of course, you could just continue to bolster your emergency savings and uh, you know use it for both purposes. But I think getting that continuing to move higher because we know with three rental properties, there's going to be ongoing maintenance and upkeep and expenses. And I'd rather you get to the place where you've got that covered and you don't have to uh, add debt service uh, or pull from your retirement assets to do it. So I'd say if you can, let's delay those uh, these repairs or renovations until you need to take that RMD. In the meantime, let's continue to sock away as much as you can every month. So if something came up between now and then that you had to do, hopefully you could do it at least all you know in part or fully out of your emergency reserves uh, without having to tap that HELOC. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I want to get that HELOC paid off, definitely. Yeah, as quick as you I can. I don't charge the normal rates for rental properties. The properties are nice, but I rent to low-income people. Oh, wow. For years, and I've never gone up on the amount that uh, I have them to pay. I only I pay just enough to cover the mortgage payments on those homes. Okay. Wow. What a ministry you're providing to these folks, uh, Maria. I love what you're doing there, but you do need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well and not putting yourself in a financial hardship. And I'm a little concerned about you not having any reserves and having to take care of all the maintenance and upkeep out of, uh, you know, tapping your home equity. So uh, maybe a modest increase given that you've never raised it might be appropriate. Obviously, you've got to make that decision prayerfully, but, um, you know, rents have been going up significantly over the last uh, year. And if a, a modest increase might give you a little buffer to start putting some money away to be able to cover those. But I delay these as long as you can and save as much as you can. And uh, God bless you for the great work you're doing, Marie. Thanks for calling today. Uh, let's head to Illinois. Michelle, you're next on the program. Go right ahead. I heard hey, you speak a week or so ago about I-bonds, yeah. and my son has about $5,000 in his savings account that he was looking to invest in something. He doesn't think he'll need the money for the next couple of years, and then I heard you talking about the I-bonds, and I thought that would be a good fit for him, but I don't know how to go about purchasing those. Yes. Um, you would go to the Treasury's website, um, and you do that at Treasury Direct dot gov uh, treasury direct got, dot gov and you can actually buy them as gifts for any treasury direct account holder including children um, and he could buy him them himself if he has the money too um, it, these are a great investment right now the I stands of course for inflation there's a uh, an inflation protected return associated with them it's a combination of a fixed interest rate plus the variable inflation rate which is what's driving the rate up to where it is right now at about, well, it's exactly 9.62%. It adjusts every six months, so you'll get an adjustment.
investment in November later this year. I still think it'll be a very attractive rate, even though it may come down slightly. He will have to hold it for a minimum of a year. And if you pull it out uh, before five years, but after one year, you'll just give up three months worth of interest as a penalty. Uh, but that's a phenomenal rate with almost zero risk because it's backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. So the place to go, Michelle, to open an account and do an electronic funds transfer is treasurydirect.gov. Sound good? That sounds great. Thank you, Rob, so much. All right. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. This is Biblical Wisdom for your financial decisions. Get in on the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal. But you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money Seeking God's Wisdom 31-day devotional with a gift of any amount at moneywise.org. If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian credit counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian credit counselors can help you, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org or call 800-557-1985. Welcome back to Money Wise Weekend. I'm Rob West. All the lines are full, so sit back and enjoy. We have some great questions coming up. Hey, before we head back to the phones, though, a quick email. This one comes to us by way of Ray, one of our faithful listeners. And Ray writes, we have some real estate we want to give to our church. Is there anything we should do to make the transaction easy for us all? And Ray, this is a great way to give. Uh, you know, keep in mind, 90% of our wealth is on our balance sheet. We only hold 10% of our wealth in the form of cash and cash-related instruments. Well, uh, 90% of our giving happens in the form of cash, which means we're missing out on the biggest opportunity for our giving, and that's balance sheet-type giving, which includes real estate. Uh, So this is a great idea. Uh, Our friends at the National Christian Foundation could be a great resource for you, Ray. You'll find them at ncfgiving.com, ncfgiving.com. You'll want to open what's called a donor-advised fund, or at NCF they call it a giving fund. And basically, you'll make a gift of that piece of real estate, either the whole thing or a portion of it, to your donor-advised fund at NCF prior to the sale. Then when the property is sold, the proceeds for whatever portion was given to the donor-advised fund will go into your donor-advised fund. And at that point, you'll be able to grant it out to your church, uh, other ministries of your choosing, at whatever point you choose to to grant it out. Uh, think of it like a charitable check account. You'll log in online. You'll make your gift. You'll say whether you want it to be anonymous or uh, in your name. You'll choose the ministry or charity or church, and off it goes. Uh, It's a very efficient and effective way to give, and our friends at NCF would love to help you. So check them out today, ncfgiving.com. All right, back to the phones we go. Sarah's in Chicago. Sarah, how can I help you? Um, Thanks for taking my call, first of all. Um, My 
parents are retired missionaries um, and they're moving to this country. And as they're moving to this country, they've given me their nest egg. Um, and my question to you is, I'd really like to purchase a house that they can live in, uh, you know, in their retirement. Would you use that next nest egg to purchase the house? Or would you take a loan or would you do like some sort of combination of the two? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. I'm delighted to hear that uh, your mom and dad have been serving the Lord as missionaries. That's incredible. And I'm sure you're glad uh, to have them a little closer by as they head back home. Um, let me ask you, the, the nest egg that you're holding, why was that given to you? What was the intent behind that? Was that uh, to give you an, an early inheritance or is it money that they have earmarked for them? They just wanted you to hold it? Give me some understanding of that. Sure. So it's an early inheritance. Okay. Uh, so what are they planning to live on when they get back here? Just Social Security? Correct. Okay. And if uh, a loan was taken out, would you be paying the loan or would they? I would be paying it. Okay. So part of the deal here is they give, they give you this inheritance early. They're coming back. They're going to try to live on Social Security, but there's an understanding that you're going to find them a place to live and cover the expenses either by buying it out of the nest egg or by financing it and paying for it yourself? Correct. Uh, I mean, they will both have jobs, but obviously not enough to pay for, you know, um, pay the entire cost of their living. Okay. And um, what is the value of the nest egg that you have? Um, it's, it's not enough to, like, pay off, you know, where they want to live. It's not enough to pay off an entire house and still have some in savings, but it is enough to buy a house for them. Okay. Uh, but you couldn't buy it free and clear. You'd still have to take a mortgage based on the homes you're looking at. No, I would not. Okay. You could buy it free and clear. Correct. Okay. Um, you know, I kind of like that idea because then you're not adding, you know, additional cash flow uh, that has to come out of your expenses. You kind of keep it clean, if you will. Uh, you'd almost look at it like instead of giving you this nest egg in cash, they give it to you in a home. Uh, you're using it for a wonderful purpose, which is to house your mom and dad. And it's an asset that uh, should appreciate over time. Um, so I think, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me that you would just go ahead and buy it free and clear. And you still are, you know, the house is in your name, even though you're letting your mom and dad live there. So you get the benefit of the growth. And at some point when the Lord calls them home or moves them on to somewhere else, you know, you can sell the property and you still have your nest egg. So for me, at least that makes a lot of sense given the current environment and the situation. Okay. Thank you for your advice. I really appreciate it. All right, Sarah. Hey, all the best to you and your mom and dad as they head back to the States here. God bless you. Uh, let's head to Fort Lauderdale. Jordan, welcome back to the program. Go right ahead. Oh, thank you. I always enjoy it. I want to know if uh, the, the interest paying for CDs with, uh, I'm planning to, to buy CDs with Vanguard. Does the interest fluctuate too much or kind of stay the same or one day is high and the next time is low? Uh, yeah. How much are you looking to put into CDs, Jordan? Oh, it could put, I could put 10000 or one, one. And for what period of time? Uh, it depends. That's, that's my question. What, okay. time, what uh, period of time do they have? 
Well, you could do uh, one year, two years, three years, five years. It just depends on what your time horizon is. Um, if you have a one-year time horizon, Jordan, I'd probably look at I-bonds, inflation bonds. You'd have to hold them for a year, but instead of getting uh, that one and a half to 3% that I was just talking about with CDs, you can get, ready, 9.62% backed by the U.S. government. Um, so that would be another option for you to look at. Which will be the minimum investment for the for the I bond? I don't believe there is a minimum. You just can't put in more than ten thousand. Oh, just the minimum is ten thousand. Uh, not the minimum. The maximum is ten thousand. And the minimum? I don't believe there is a minimum. Oh, okay, ten thousand. Well, thank you very much. Okay, you'll yeah, find uh, more information, Jordan, at TreasuryDirect.gov. That's TreasuryDirect.gov. And that's going to do it for us today. And as we wrap up, let me just say thanks for being with us today. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You know, beyond the broadcast, we have an entire team of contributors and coaches, and web designers and media producers working each day to develop tools and content to help you become a better biblical money manager. And none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free, and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our website at moneywise.org and click the donate button to sign up? We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here, and I hope you will be too, for the next installment of MoneyWise Weekend. MoneyWise Weekend is provided by MoneyWise Media and by listeners like you.